Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to this special on Laws of Pain Radio. A thank you celebrating 7 million listens on Blog Talk Radio. Believe it or not, that was scripted. <laughs> I looked it up immediately. We have got a wide variety of people from across Laws of Pain Radio to say a special thank you to all of our listeners for getting us to this insane number. It's, yeah, it's, it's hitting now that we're live, that we're actually doing this. Seven million listens. Mental. <laughs> so, to celebrate this special occasion, I've called on four special guests to this LOP All-Stars panel, I guess. First. Oh, wait, wait a second. How do I unmute Chad? So... Just before we went live, uh, Chad is like, yeah, he was just started asking his wife a question, <laughs> and I thought I'll just mute him so he's not over the top of this. And now the mute button is greyed out, and I can't click it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how do seriously? <laughs> how do I unmute him? I don't know. Right click. Right click. No, nothing. <laughs> oh, I will move him and add him again. That is mental. Anyway. On this call, I have got, from One Nation Radio first, Rich Latter. Hey, what's up, everybody? Glad to be here, and thank uh, all our listeners from past and present, and everyone that's going to keep listening to LP Radio. Thank you guys for the 7 million so far. Uh, secondly, from One Nation Radio, James Boyd. Hi, guys. That's all I got. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thirdly, hopefully still here with us. Chad, who's not muted. And I now have the ability to mute myself, which is good. Uh, hey, hey, look, man, it would not be a live special that I'm a part of if there wasn't some sort of technical glitch. The very first show that I ever did on LOP Radio on June the 3rd, 2013, I did to total silence, and I didn't find that out until an hour later when I was finished, when I got the alert on Twitter. Hey, there's nothing. There's nothing happening on your show. I just talked for an hour, and then had to turn around and do it again. So thank you everybody for seven million listens. It's pretty incredible over the last six years. So uh, happy to be here. Happy to take part in this, and um, you know, it's worthy of celebration. Certainly, that's an incredible number. Thanks to everyone who made it possible. And finally, joining me from this side of the pond, it's Clam. Well, you you should have said the right side of the pond, surely. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, name your show. I was just doing it. But yeah, he's with me on this correct side of the pond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> I'd say it's a pleasure to be here, but then him started the show and it all went to balls. So. <laughs> uh, I'll figure out how to unmute Chad during the show, maybe. <laughs> just a little bit of a gamble. <laughs> Uh, Don't worry about it. I got it now. I, I've got the ability to mute myself. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think you figured, figured it out. Uh, this show is going to be a show of reminiscing, then a, as I put it in the group chat, then a swift kick to the gonads as we talk about modern day wrestling, <laughs> and then a look to the future with the, all that's on the horizon. It is very exciting time to be in the wrestling media. Do we count as wrestling media? I guess we do. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, also, I have had my own live troubles. It's, yes, I've done my own live shows that have gone out to nothing. I've had live shows disappear after being live. <laughs> it's just everything. <laughs> it's just like, oh, shit, that's awful. 
So I'm recording this episode. <laughs> this is like, no, this is special. I'm not going to lose this one. Ah. But 7 million, it is absolutely mental. So a huge thank you to every single person who's contributed to that. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Kath who hit us up who wants to listen live but can't. And she says she probably makes up 200 of those like every week, which <laughs> is about the hit us up. I don't doubt her. <laughs> A huge thank you for all of our, everyone listening to us every week, especially, because that's mental. Even if it's just one show. Thank you so much. So, shout out to Ryan Evans, too, who always uh, sends us tweets. Uh, to He'll find a tweet that I sent out like five days ago, <laughs> replied to that one, and it's like completely different to, than what I've actually tweeted about. But shout out to him, too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I was talking to Ryan Evans this morning. So yes, yeah, shout out to Ryan Evans. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, a special of as I said, the first topic was reminiscing, looking back over this past time we've been on Laws of Pain Radio. Uh, with the long, I'll start with the longest person, per, longest person, <laughs> with the person who's been on the, the Pain Radio the longest. <laughs> Plan right side of the pond, who's been there since day one. Have I really? Well, right of the pond has. That's, uh, uh, I don't know if that's something to be celebrated or whether that's just utterly tragic or not, that I've been doing this for, what is it now, six years? Six years. Which is which is longer than most periods in uh, WWE history. What is it you want me to talk about, him? <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't really give you a topic. Reminisce, go. Look back with fondness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reminisce plan, discuss. Well, I, I don't know what to reminisce about. It's been <laughs> six. If I mean, if you've done the pond every week, then you know that the six years have felt like twelve. Um, I, I started. I mean, we Maverick and I started with the one hundred one WWE matches to see before you die podcast version, which is now a book that you can go and buy on Amazon.co.uk, Amazon.com, or Amazon anywhere in the world. So make sure you go and pick that up as a nice little book plug for you. Um, and yeah, now I, you know, doing two shows a week. I did Aftershock for a year. That was exhausting. And now doing the uh, sports entertainment is dead. Um, I don't know if the uh, if the pond has been running longer than the doc says, or if the doc says was running longer than the pond. But I guess if we count doc's kind of uh, very brief Mick Foley esque retirement, then uh, <laughs> the, the pond cumulatively probably has been airing for a little a little bit longer. I would imagine. Like if we've learned anything for the past year, no one retires from LOP. <laughs> and if we've learned anything from the past from the past few years in WWE, no one ever I'll be no one ever retires from wrestling either. Well, I guess right. I guess kind of um transitioning to the next one which will be Doc. I guess a shout out to Super Chris who was there for the Doc's beginnings with his grumpy, yeah. Grumpy voice. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, it was the Doc and Super Chris show for a brief period of time. It took the the thing I'll say about the right side of the pond is that, you know, they've been around since day one. They were actually they were either the first or the second show. I was I was around for the first week, but the original iteration of the doc says was, um, you know, basically so full of live glitches that it I, I I stopped doing it in the way that I was doing it, and then Super Chris came on board. We did that for a while, and then it turned back into a solo show. So it's been you know, right side of the pond has been by far the most consistent program on LOP radio. It's got to be considered the signature show, given how long it's been around and how consistently it has been. So 
Six years is a long time. This is this the, is all just because you're trying to position yourself as the SmackDown to our Raw, so we suck. Don't think I'm not onto what you're doing. Though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know someone on in this kind of way for uh, for at least six years, then you uh, you learn their tricks. Learn their tricks. <laughs> so, uh, it's been a wild ride. When when my when I first did the doc says the my first book hadn't come out yet. It was a few months out. From having come out, my daughter had just been born. She turned seven later this year. Um, so, I mean, it's you think about what happens in the last six years, not just in wrestling, but in life. I mean, geez, life is very different right now than it was six years ago. It's a whole different, it's like a whole era of, of our lives has gone by across the timeline that LOP Radio has been in existence. And finally, we've got more to a minute. Since I was going to bring up Shinobi, then I thought, just plan one of them and about Shinobi, or we're fine. The long forgotten Shinobi. <laughs> when I you first came. We, do, we, do, we are still. We, it's like it's a break emergency Shinobi glass that we've got on the show. So if we. Uh, <laughs> If we run out of uh, other hosts, then we can. But we'd, the advantage, the, probably the only reason the pond lasted so long is because there are four of us. <laughs> but the, the, yeah, <laughs> when I joined, uh, Steve, who uh, wasn't able to come on today, he uh, bought, was telling me who was on the right side of the pond. <laughs> I was just like, I've never seen Shinobi on the right side of the pond. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> I joined this station in late 2016. I've not once heard a show with him on it. <laughs> but yeah, apparently, Shinobi is meant to be a regular. <laughs> and I think we'll introduce the final show, which is the latest to the run of LOP Radio. One Nation Radio, which itself has been going quite some years, <laughs> but was, if I'm right, was meant to be brought in, then suddenly, Swerve Imp comes on. <laughs> and then finally, One Nation Radio is on the edge. LOP Radio. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, I, I I've been on One Nation like or the uh, like when I think about it, Chad like used to have me do all these guest spots for years, like before you know uh, James and I joined as an official show, and I was like, I don't know what this dude sees in me to let me keep coming on here and just talking about how awful WWE has been, but uh, he seems pretty cool, so. <laughs> And you know, I always thought Chad always had like a big like um like on his Facebook page there would be lots of wrestling fans like in deep discussions about everything like that. And when he started putting um gave me the opportunity to come on the doc says I started like getting a lot more feedback and everything like that. So thanks to Chad for one and then also like finally recruiting us to come on and we've been doing the uh show we picked up where uh Stephen Bell left off uh from the late shift and we kind of did our own thing and you know with the LeBron James you bum of the week we we talked about the bums of the week we talked about the wrestlers of the week and everything as such it's been a great time James yeah um, I had no idea it was a, that it was one that bumped us so oh but yeah um, I had no idea like should there be beef now but no I'm just yeah but yeah like you know Chad's always had a, a great relationship with Rich and he's he's helped Rich out a lot and I appreciate the hell out of Chad for, you know, what he's done for, for, for Rich and also for me. Like, I'm not a writer. I've tried it. Like, I'm too hypercritical. Like, getting out even a paragraph is just exhausting. That's never my thing. But Rich can, Rich can is, you know, because it's, I guess a lot of his confidence, his background as a writer for his whole life as far as, like, rapping or whatever else, like, he has the confidence to put that out there and deal with, you know, the arrows that come. And there are a lot of arrows that are sent his way. But, uh, me, I'm more or less like 
look, I can I can verbalize it, but as far as like coming just putting that out there, it's it's very hard. So like all you guys that come out and write, like I have appreciation for all of you guys because that's definitely just a monster to deal with, especially like when you're in your own head. But uh, but yeah, it's been it's been a great what roughly a year now. I think I think what since probably August, Rich. What you say we've been? Yeah, I probably uh, say like. Like the week after uh, SummerSlam, I think we we started on LLP. Okay, so yeah, we're closing in on a year, and it's it's been a great time and been a lot of fun, and you know, hopefully, it continues to the future. And it's finally myself. <laughs> I put myself away as a bumper. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's an actual pun. <laughs> anyway, so yes, I didn't start writing. I've never been anything until 2016. I went to the LLP forums. Met Byrne, and we got on immediately. Uh, I was doing Monday Night Awards, so just giving out shitty awards to the show every single week. That stopped, because to be able to do that, I had to watch more. <laughs> so I suddenly was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so that's why that stopped. Uh, but, yes, I met Byrne, we got on, and then we started the Perfect Ten yeah. Wrestling Podcast with, like, it was amazing if you got more than ten listeners on SoundCloud. <laughs> so suddenly uh, Steve hit us up about coming on Laws of Pain Radio, and we went on... I want to say late 2017, sort of getting into the groove of it, and there's been a little bit of a shift. I replaced Dano Kaboom. I can't remember what your show was called. Something to do with Dano something, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so shout out to Dano Kaboom who I guess gave up his spot for me. However, <laughs> I think was it, it might have been Rob before him who did exactly what Chad was talking about earlier, where he did a show where he called in and then got home and realised there was nothing there. <laughs> he went. He went, F this shit. And <laughs> just left. <laughs> the God bless like, you guys to try going live, man. Every week. Yo, I thought Jeez. about it once. I was like, nah, man, I'm not even going to try to mess with that player. Like, if I'm going live, like, it's going to be like YouTube or something. Like, where, where it's all figured out. All you got to do is, like, link it up on the back end and run it. No, I, there was one month of my life where every single time I added burn, the, we'd disconnect from the studio, but it would say we were connected. For some reason, that was a month, a book for a whole month. <laughs> and every single time I just added somebody, went, nope, not connected anymore. <laughs> so that, that was brilliant. <laughs> that, that was you also get these opportunities for, for callers. And when we oh, first yeah. started this whole outfit, you know, having callers was not an unusual thing on a live show. And I remember we had this one guy who called in and he goes, um, he sounds really sincere at first. And then as we get a little deeper into it, he starts talking about how he uh, starts talking about how um, he wants help naming his finishing move, and then he starts talking about how yeah, I was thinking about you know calling it the reach around, and then he starts getting all weird. I'm like, okay, and so you know I'm I, you know I'm not super <laughs> Chris lives in Montreal, so I'm in North Carolina. And so if I would, if he was in front of me, then the the looks we would have exchanged each other would have been probably pretty amusing to capture on film. But uh, yeah, that's random story there. Got a guy who called about naming his finishing move the reach around. I'm pretty sure he was just screwing with us. Never really stuck, never really let him hang around long enough to find out. Maybe he was Joey Ryan. You never know. Ah. It is. <laughs> that it was Joey Ryan. I'm going to use that in the story from now on. <laughs> when he gets signed to that WWE contract and he's something slightly more PG. Oh, <laughs> but I, coincidentally, this Thursday I had a uh, someone call in, and 
I I don't normally pay much attention to that. They'll stay for like two minutes or so, sometimes like a max of five. This person stayed called in for 15 minutes. And I was like, he's been here 15 minutes. <laughs> like, I, I could let him in. <laughs> he's shown commitment here. He's probably listening. <laughs> but no, I was like, no, I'm going to cut to an ad break. And then he was gone. <laughs> so, so whoever you were, I did notice you. <laughs> but I was like, I've never <laughs> let a call him in. So anyway, I think that's through all of us if I kind of reminiscing. We'll talk about WWE, which was in a completely different state when Laws of Pain Radio first started. If I'm right, the first ever LOP show, LOP radio show, was an interview with Christopher Daniels way back before Blog Talk. So I don't know where if that's available anywhere. I just it might be on the Wayback Machine for Laws of Pain, <laughs> but just that that is the first episode if anyone could find it. But at the start of this, we would have been back in when did Blog Talk would have started? Twenty well. 2015, I'm guessing. Everyone on here will, see, will probably guess why I'm thinking 2015. Well, so way back then was the start of the era we're in now. Plan 2015 has got some pretty happy moments, I guess, for you being a super fan of a certain wrestler. Who's that? So, <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, it was an awesome year. Uh, I Because I grew up a Bret Hart fan, um, well, let me rephrase that. I grew up a wrestling fan, but I didn't have direct access to wrestling. It was like through friends, videotapes and stuff. So um, I only, I was a Bret Hart, I knew enough to know I was a Bret Hart fan, but I then experienced everything in, in kind of most of his career in, in uh, retrospect when I was older and was discovering his, you know, famous matches and stuff. So I wasn't able to follow it as it happened. So um, to have been able to sit and watch something like WrestleMania 31, where obviously Seth had the big cashing moment at the end, and to see a favorite wrestler win his first world championship was brand new to me, even though I'd been a wrestling fan for most of my life, which was a an odd position to be in. And then obviously he went on, you know, it, it has its critics, as a lot of Seth's work tends to, but obviously because I am the super fan, as you said, I loved every second of his of his world championship brain and um, being able to watch those because we got the network that year in the UK as well. So uh, watching pay-per-view suddenly became instantly more accessible. So it, it all kind of was in a, in a, I'm a bit of a fatalistic guy uh, generally speaking. So it was strange how all the pieces fell in place for me to be able to follow his first world title reign uh, so closely. And I, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's a, a hotly contested, uh, uh, topic, I think, but I'm of the opinion, uh, particularly sort of the couple of years before 2015, when Daniel, when the whole Daniel Bryan thing kicked off, that the the quality of WWE's TV during that period uh, was a was a generally very good. Uh, it it took a dive in 2015, but I thought that it was still uh, sort of intermittently quite good, uh, and it was it was really the year after when when they just fell off the edge of a cliff, I think. But, um, yeah, 2015, generally, for me, as an individual fan, was was tremendous fun. I forgot I had my mic muted. <laughs> that was a great start, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Doc, oh, well, I, didn't, I was going to jump to 2016 for no rhyme or reason there. <laughs> but, yes, Doc, when you started LP Radio, what were your kind of like feelings about the show at the time 2013 was when i started on lop radio so that was a really interesting time um i'd say that when i really started to 
do the show consistently was in 2014. And one of the most memorable shows I can recall doing was the, uh, was the day like I had a, we at back then we didn't have really as much of a set lineup. Um, so you had a little bit more flexibility to just sort of jump on and, and do whatever you wanted. And the day that we found out that CM Punk had quit, uh, it's one of the more memorable, uh, one of the more memorable shows that I did because I, it was one of those things that kind of hit me pretty hard because he was my he was sort of what I called my fan anchor, and um, that was the reason I tuned into the product every week is pretty much to hear what he said when he got a microphone in his hand, and to have a show dedicated to just sort of reacting in that way was really unique to me at the time. I mean, I'd written about stuff like that for a long, long time, the instant reaction type columns, but to voice your opinion and for you, you to be able to share that sort of raw emotion that comes with that type of, of event. Um, but more specifically about that era, I was, I was probably at the peak of my WWE fandom when I started doing the podcast. And, you know, that was when Daniel Bryan got hot, obviously, and the road to WrestleMania 30, which is always really memorable to, mem- memorable to me in terms of my relationship with the right side of the pond as a podcast. That was really when it became my favorite podcast because I felt like everybody was just being so damn negative about everything that was happening with Daniel Bryan. And I felt like somewhat of a voice of reason, particularly in column form. But these guys were on the pond every week sitting there talking about, hey, man, it's going to be okay. They're working us it's going to lead to where we want it to go. And then as we got to that moment where it was like at the Royal rumble 2014, when I just felt like, wait a minute, I'm wrong. The guys on the right side of the pond are wrong. They're not working. Us. These guys are just stupid. And we've been sitting here singing our phrases for like the last six months. Like it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And then it's like the bottom drops out. It's like, no, it's not going to be okay. Good. There's so much that it's been a lot of fun covering that type of stuff. I'd say those first few years, you know, straight up through middle of 2016 for me, um, the, the whole period in WWE lore was really fun to follow. And then, you know, I was at that time really creating the the crux of my analytical way of thinking about pro wrestling and judging it and historically uh, ranking it and whatnot. And so, you know, after that, things sort of trailed off and it led up to my peak of, of wanting to, to, you know, say sayonara to the podcast before finding uh, that there is actually wrestling that exists outside of WWE and becoming a happier fan again. But, uh, but those early years, man, they, they were great and they were memorable. We had to record the POM three times on the week that CM Punk uh, walked out um, <laughs> because of the, the, the speed at which news was, was breaking. So it's a week that lives in infamy on the pond as well. And in our defense, it did, it did work out in the end. It did, absolutely. It did. But that was so memorable going back and forth with everybody about that because it was – you know, you'd say something on your podcast, people would respond to it. I would defend what you guys were saying. I'd back that up in column form and on my podcast. And then the naysayers would come back in and it just round and around and around and around and around until that ultimate moment of catharsis at WrestleMania 30, not even WrestleMania 30, mind you, but like that, 
moment on Raw when Daniel Bryan uh, when Daniel Bryan gets Triple H to acquiesce to the things that he wanted. I mean, that was really the moment. It was the moment in that whole thing, and really the moment that has come to define my adult WWE fandom. We all have those moments when we're kids, but that moment of catharsis for my WWE fandom as an adult was, that's not all I want. And boom. I mean, just that's, I'll never forget that for as long as I live. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I guess, uh, yeah. I guess with us, like we, we've had the uh, unfortunate, um, <laughs> we, we presided <laughs> over an era of WWE uh, with, you know, since uh, after SummerSlam, that's just been like, Years after that that peak prime period, like we've we've got all these guys kind of etched and sewn, but they've all been like pretty much they've all been hit by a car in their own ways. They've all been kneecapped. Um, everyone's been around to th- for three to five years at this point, and of course there's like the ratings, uh, you know, drug conversation that has to do uh, with everything and. It's really tough watching WWE, or it has been really tough watching WWE since last summer. Uh, and I think that extends back to WrestleMania 34, even when um, they just decided to uh, keep the title on Brock Lesnar as a way to, you know, pre- to to delay the the eventual the big Roman Reigns win, and then you get to SummerSlam. After all that, they run off the air, and it's like this whole thing has just been a creative dumpster fire for eight months, I want to say. And it's been highly disorganized. They are reverting back to the worst of tendencies. Like they're bringing back old voices like Bruce Pritchard. (laughs) And it's just like, I don't know where this company is going right now. The, the, I'm looking for the young stars on the horizon. And the thing is, as great as NXT is, it kind of robs us of the ability to have these young stars that are on the main roster. Everyone's going to get there by the time they're 30, and they're not at the peak of their athleticism anymore. And they're not like this fresh thing, unless they've just, they're just completely hidden like a Braun Strowman or even a Lacey Evans. Um, but we're, we're in a very weird, like era right now, James, how would you like kind of describe like what's going on since from SummerSlam to now? Okay. So for me, I would say we're in an era of just, of just putting stuff on screen to fill time. Um, we do things from week to week. Um, and none of, none of it correlates to what happened before, Things quickly change. Things are picked up. Things are dropped. Um, we embarrass the wrestlers that we pay money to and want to keep and put on TV every single week for God knows what reason. Um, we have Drake Maverick piss his pants, and then we have Bobby Roode be distraught because he actually the next day decides to go piss on a robe. And then we then after that, like a month later, we want him to like beat Ricochet in his first singles match. It's or a second singles match. It's 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 really weird. Um, yeah, it, it's it's uh it's a real no rhyme or reason type of like uh time right now. And the only thing that really ever matters as far as um keeping things together are like the top the top stars. Like there is no mid card storyline that makes any sense. Um, like 
granted, like you, you can have your quibbles about the Becky in um in Charlotte in Ronda thing, and I had plenty of them. I mean, you heard me lose my mind on on LLP radio plenty of times over the uh, past few weeks about it. But at least like we have these people together, and we're going to go forward in a direction as opposed to change our minds and whatever else. And like the Kofi things example of. They're trying to tell a. They're trying to put together a coherent story. They've kind of held it together pretty well so far, with the, as far as Kevin Owens thing. But you know, there's always there's always something from a stretch standpoint of, all right, wouldn't that have been better if you know he had made it through a whole pay per view cycle, and then you actually believe that Kevin Owens is actually a part of New Day as opposed to like they went one damn week and then immediately did the turn. Like we <laughs> didn't build we didn't build the emotional weight here. Like. Like we had a, we had a five we had five pounds on on the scales as opposed to putting that forty five pound you know uh, weight on on us and we really be all the way in on it and you know there's stuff like that I think you know the over reliance on um, AJ Styles doing baby face baby versus baby face views where eventually someone turns I think that's kind of that's that's kind of hurt him and along with you know his booking as far as you know the weird stuff they have in his matches but like. We're in a, it, like you said before earlier, everybody that has been around WWE has been has baggage has been damaged by their own television product because there's just too much television, and I don't know if they're at a point to where they realize it's to their own detriment or if they just don't even care because they're trying to sell product. They don't care if it's wrestling. They don't care if it's sports entertainment. They don't even care if it's entertaining. They just want to push their product. <laughs> So and that's kind of the era we're in, where more is more, and that's 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 the the era of excess, I guess. Well, what do you guys think about like the the you know like everyone has been around on the roster, and this is like for everyone if anyone wants to jump on this. Like the solution to like making these people feel special is just like using new people that don't have the stink on them. Do you, do you think that is a viable solution? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> We're seeing it now, really, with with where viewers are kind of getting tired of these new people getting called up immediately, kind of crapped on within a few weeks because they realise, oh, they've got no character, or they're completely changing character, which is just nothing that we've seen before. What they've kind of been training in NXT to kind of get that character right, and then they completely change it. Like Alistair well, Black, right now, what what's he doing with his like <laughs> amateur theatre? <laughs> like what is? Well, the uh, the. I mean, I say go go all in with the the sound effects in the entrance. Like that was oh yeah, freaky board. Ping ping. That'll get him over. There's, there's, oh, the, the thing is that, as I've tried to demonstrate in endless number of columns and, and podcasts, is there's actually shed loads of character in in WWE. The problem is they've got uh, an idiotic, small-minded creative team that can't seem to get a grasp on any of it is the problem and so what you end up being presented on and then you you conflate that then with some of the worst uh, commentary that you could ever possibly hope to hear or fear to hear i suppose would be the, the right phrase uh, and what you get is is a is and, and uh, you know as you would say in him characters that seem to be completely different from like, what's the motivation for Bobby Roode growing a mustache and becoming Bobby Roode? You know, and this is this is that's just an example. This is something that we've talked about at length on the pond in recent weeks, and what I've been dealing with on uh, sports entertainment is dead. Is that the world building is 
isn't a thing in WWE. And, and the issue is, whenever you've got any kind of fiction, if you've got no world building, then the whole thing is just this formless, shapeless monstrosity where nothing means anything. And that's the, that's the situation WWE have got. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We I mean, there was a video. Don't know if I think Rich, you may have liked. Me. Um, but there was a video going that went up on YouTube with the about the their creator team. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and you know they 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 plugged all of the qualifications. Not one of them said anything about wrestling. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned that Bobby Roode thing, like we could have gotten a segment out of out of him like getting the mustache. Like we could have like built something rather than him. Yeah, he showed up and, and he's Buddy Landell with with a mustache now. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 problematic, you know, because there's, there's, I, why do I care if he's grown a mustache? You're not going to tell me why he's grown a mustache. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That other thing as well that was uh, Alvarez took up earlier this week where it's just in terms of, like, consistency with WWE, and yes, we know plans change, but this, I can see James Boyd already smiling, you know, but, <laughs> but yeah, the stat of uh, WWE and social media made 237 announcements for both Raw and SmackDown. 95 of them took place. It's just like, oh, God. <laughs> like, some, some of those are the same day. And yet, I mean, even there, even there, they've had 95 things take place, and I think, well, what the fuck were they? Because I don't remember anything. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, At this I mean, like, point, I think yeah. you have to ask yourself, what is what is the motivation for for people to watch at this rate? And that's that's sort of the position I've found myself in, particularly over the last year, is WWE's creative habits seemingly have only gotten worse. They, um, the way that they run things, particularly on television, but even now, unfortunately, to a degree on pay-per-view as well. Um, on television, what would be the point in, in being a weekly viewer right now? Like, what, what would be your motivation? Is it because uh, of an, a heavy investment in, in the championship picture? Um, well, maybe. I mean, the champions right now are, are as, as Plan has pointed out very well in, in column form and on his podcast, I mean, it's, it, it, we've got really good, you know, likable champions who you can invest in. But there's not a whole lot of character building going on that's going to further invest you to watch their week-to-week journey. So you're at a point now where you can very easily tune in once a month, see what's happening on pay-per-view. They do a much better job of putting together those little video packages that hype pay-per-view matches than they do anything week-to-week on television. So I find myself as a viewer totally unmotivated, totally unrelating to what the product has become. And until something changes creatively, I can't see myself getting back to a point where I would really even be apt to watch a pay-per-view on a Sunday night. I mean, I'm at a point now where most of these pay-per-views seem like, okay, well, you know, I'll check out how I'll check out what seemed to be the general consensus about a show and, and, and check it out at that point. But it's not like the motivation once was where I looked at it like a live sporting event where I've always been adamant I have to watch sports live. I cannot know what happens prior to because it totally changes the way that I watch it. 
if I know the result and watch it after the fact. But now in WWE's case, I very easily feel motivated to watch after the fact, knowing full well what already happened, and even knowing the critical opinion of what already happened. So the motivation for me is largely absent, and I don't know what's going to get it back, because if you were to try to create 101 reasons to watch WWE right now, I think you would struggle. But if you were to try to come up with 100 reasons not to, I think you would have a heck of an easier time. And that's very unfortunate. And I say that coming from a pretty good place with where I'm at with wrestling overall, not quite in the jaded position I was last September when I decided to bow out for a while. I think right now what's keeping like a certain amount of people watching is it's just habit now. It's it's their religion in a sense. Like you, what else are you going to do on Monday? There's nothing else to do, y'all. You know, like, and it's just like, well, I think a lot of people watch and hope that it's going to turn around. Like I'm a Lakers fan. I hope we figure out the deal with the ownership. I hope we find a way that that we can, you know add more more better players or whatever. I hope that, that we can do all these things, but it's like, yo, that's my team. I'm ultimately going to support them. And I think a lot hope, of, like... Rich, do you ahead. hope that you find a head coach? We already got one. LeBron is LeBron James. <laughs> He's looking for, you know, contrary to popular belief, we are looking for an assistant coach. But... Yeah, the um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people it's just like it's their habit. That's that's the only thing, and it's like they. I think they are so wrapped up in uh, in chat for a while. You like we? How long have I told you? Hey, man, just watch other stuff. Check other stuff out. It's going to age you so much. A lot of people are, are afraid. They're they're scared to kind of, or or it may not just fit with their schedule, and then it just they they won't leave. I think <laughs> I think that's their motivation. But the second they do, I think it would be beneficial for the wrestling fandom. So they'd be like, okay, I understand what this is. This is not the only option that's presented to me in the world. Yeah, I think the I think the thing is, it's uh, when you watch WWE and you see that the entry point is five hours weekly to try to under you know after you understand the pattern after let's say six weeks to a month or whatever else or let's say three months so you get a pattern of like how they do things like. You think I've, I've invested five hours every single week plus pay-per-views a month to understand the pattern and everything, and then I can like kind of take it easy as an entry point into the show. Like that's a lot of ask and a lot of buy-in um, for something that doesn't really, um, from week to week, like really give you what you satisfy you the way you want as a as a you know something somebody that says you know what I'm going to put down the Game of Thrones or the Walking Dead or the Veep or whatever the other shows that you you guys enjoy on Netflix or whatever or HBO or whatever else to go watch this thing like that's a big ask and then to go from that to okay well this is the biggest wrestling company in the world with the highest production value I'm going to go now watch Japanese wrestling or um or I'm going to go watch CMLL or I'm going to go watch Ring of Honor. That's like, you're thinking like, wow, now I have to, there's a reason you think like there's a reason for that. So for that difference in, you know, production value. So you think like it's going to be a big ass, try to follow that certain, that stuff. But the thing is most other places, like they don't have, they don't ask you 
to to watch that much damn pro, uh, television or whatever or screen time, and like a lot of places because it's so simplistic, you don't have to like go back and try to figure out a backstory from people. Like you can pretty much start start hit the ground running, and then like you know if you have some time or whatever else, you can kind of go back through looking because we have so many you know great writers and people that are around the the wrestling world that that follow this stuff that can fill you in on what you on whatever gaps you're missing that you might want to check out for a time. Like if it wasn't for Sierra Reed, I would never have picked up a star subscription. I would have just been like, nope, that's too difficult. I can't get in I, you know, like I'm sure they have great wrestling, but I just can't. I don't understand this or whatever else. And, you know, over the time of talking to her and her basically hold basically more or less holding me in Rich's hand when it comes to Japanese women's wrestling, like we we kind of gotten over that hurdle. Like I have a Star Switch I had it since January. Like it's one it's one of my favorite things to do is just hop on there and like watch whatever new show popped up or whatever else. And I'm sure that's kind of the same way everybody else feels about you know whatever other things they check out, whether it's Ring Honor or New Japan or um or whatever else uh, there may be out there for you. So I just think we're at a point now where it's so it's. They're doing so much, and it gives you such a little reward. Is like, you can kind of. It's okay to look out there and, and see what else the rest of the world has because the thing is, most people are wrestling fans. They they tune into want to watch wrestling, or they tune into want to watch a coherent storyline. And if WWE is not giving you either one of those, like, and, and meanwhile, like they're doing it on their network left and right with the greatest of ease on Two Hundred Five Live, on NXT UK, on NXT, then. What is what exactly is this for when it's on cable for the rest of people to watch when the rest of the world like when they want to watch TV they want to watch sports with that come have conclusions and stakes or storytelling and you give us neither. Yeah, like for me personally, uh, me like Laws of Pain has mostly been a like WWE centric site with other things, but of course I don't know what like when it started it was like still WCW and WWE were hot, but. For, like when I was on the site in like late noughties and onto this decade, like it was mostly WWE. Then TNA kind of wiggled its way in and then like immediately died. But it was there for a bit. <laughs> that was a thing. Like as a, like we were talking about Super Chris earlier. Super Chris had his like TNA series. Um, I really got into that back in the day. And like the re- there's a reason he stopped that. Like I can't take it anymore, guys. <laughs> kind of thing. And like now I like last on Thursday I was comparing modern day WWE to TNA when they were going up against WWE going, oh, look at this thing that's really cool. And then the next week, oh, we're doing this thing that's cool. And the next week, oh, we're doing this thing that's cool. And then because they're refreshing it every single week, you end up not really caring about any of it because you, like, you don't know what's going to be canon next week. You don't know what's going to be important. And for me, the best decision I ever made was well, first second, checking out New Japan in 2014. That kind of changed my fandom. That was, uh, uh, for me, the best decision I made. But also last year, I finally called it quits on WWE. Like I've, I had enough. <laughs> they broke me. They broke me with the... If you listen to my show, you know exactly where I'm going with this. They broke me with the Bobby Lashley sisters segment. As in, that was it Oh, for me. man. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I, yeah. So I watched that, and then I didn't watch WWE television for the rest of the summer. <laughs> I was like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not watching. But like, in, what I, it was like, what do I do all this free time? Well, I covered the entire G1 Climax in New Japan. Just like I wouldn't have been able to do that if I had to fit in WWE, but because I didn't, I was able to go to all of these promotions. And like the phrase that you see thrown around the internet a lot is uh, wrestling is in a fantastic state, 
It's just WWE. They're the anomaly. And to be fair, in WWE, really look at Raw as the anomaly, but it's used as the example for the rest of the product for a lot of people. But it's the anomaly. <laughs> that is the worst quality out of all of WWE's product that they pump out. But in terms, in terms of wrestling as well, that is the example of like the wrestling world for a lot of people. And it's not really, <laughs> it's not a very good example. Like, the internet has done so much good for, w, for the for wrestling industry. And we're seeing it now with AEW, you know, the T-shirt company, <laughs> selling out all these shows and all of that. And like we're looking at next Wednesday, well, this Wednesday coming, they're going to like, be at Madison Square Garden for uh, Turner Warner's announcements for their advertisers. And they're likely to be announced as a show on TNT, which is going to change the industry. <laughs> like, no question. Like, looking forward, wrestling is in a weird bubble. Like, like, things are bubbling under the surface. The excitement is there. It's just not there currently. <laughs> things are a little, a little bit depressing now with WWE on top and just sinking further and further. But the excitement's there, especially for us in the UK. Uh, Plan did a special this Friday with the Right Side of the Pond guys talking about the fact that AW have got these UK TV deals and for us it's mental seeing ITV tweet about UK not, stuff not not to be a pedant but I wasn't actually on that show no <laughs> case in point they're never fully on there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yes it was it is mental to see <laughs> like well, it is crazy. I mean, the, the, the important thing is, it's first you've got to kind of temper it to a degree because we, you know, it's ITV box office. It's not ITV that this AEW event's airing on here in the UK, uh, which means that in order to watch it, fans are still going to have to pay fifteen pounds. Which, considering that the UK has always been a sort of a bastion for WWE fandom, uh, and that WWE here in the UK has had the network now for you know long enough that there's going to be a generation of wrestling fans who've come to it in the time since the network got incepted, you know, having to fork out 15 quid for a pay-per-view may put some people off, especially on a service that isn't instantly accessible. But the telling thing is that in all of the press releases and the Twitter accounts and stuff, it sounds like this is more than just, uh, uh, that there may be more to this. And if it turns out that AEW is airing on any one of ITV's four channels, it's important to understand all four of those channels owned by ITV are accessible in literally, and I mean literally, literally, in every single household in the country. So, you know, on, on an unpaid subscription thing, you don't have to subscribe to anything. It's free. Everybody gets those channels, which is something that has never happened. I think even WCW didn't have that. So uh, that's, an un- again, quite literally, an unprecedented situation uh, for a, for a want of a better word, a legitimate wrestling company to be in. Uh, and I include WWE in that because WWE have never had a TV deal with uh, uh, one of the terrestrial channels here in the UK. It's always been on Sky, which you have to pay for in order to watch. So that's a, a, an incredibly uh, intriguing situation to watch play out as we hear more about AEW's TV deal and stuff. And I think it's, I mean, I can't speak for the US, obviously, but you know, WWE, because it's a graded thing, other, other, other wrestling promotions have never been as accessible as they are now for wrestling fans, but at the same time, neither has, been, neither has WWE. So it kind of, you know, as, as the needle moves, everything moves with it. But if AEW do somehow end up on terrestrial television, then in, a, in almost overnight, they become more accessible than even WWE is. And that's a, a fascinating thing to consider in terms of how seismically it could shift things in the UK at the very least. 
Oh, yeah. Especially at WWE is on a um, paid-for service on top of a paid-for service. Yes. Well, quite, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have to pay you for have Sky. To, you, have yeah. to, you have to pay for the privilege of self-flagellation if you want to watch Monday Night Raw. Yeah. <laughs> pay for torture. Wow. <laughs> oh. Plus, they yeah, pulled their uh, YouTube think... stuff as well. That's the only way I was watching yeah. YouTube. Yeah. I was gonna say, and I think like you know, it's been twenty, you know, twenty years essentially since um, you know WCW closed, and we had a, another uh, major league promotion here in North America. Sorry, Impact. Sorry, Ring of Honor. Um, and in that twenty years, it's been enough time for entire like new like generations to form to essentially rise to this point. The talent has like refreshed itself enough on the outside to where there's a whole generation of people that WWE looked over, you know, in the mid 2000s. That these people have gone all around the world and have all come together, and this is like it's like the it was like Thanos hit the snap with WCW, and then society rebuilt itself yeah. essentially on the outside, and and has rose up, and and we're back on the converging timeline now of how it was always supposed to be. <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, it's. It's a really exciting time currently in wrestling, even though we've we've shot on WWE for like twenty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like it is exciting. Yeah. There's a lot like outside of WWE especially. And for me, like yesterday I spent all day finishing off our New Japan Best of the Super Juniors preview and uh, with Sir Sam. He was guessing on LP radio numerous times. I think Doc, have you got Sir Sam this week? I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're we're talking about Essentially, you know, what can you do to make WWE storylines more interesting, borrowing from things that are popular in sport? You know, so, I mean, it's just spitballing. It's throwing stuff against the wall. It's the type of stuff you wish there was a, a meeting room in the back of in the back of the WWE creative department just saying, hey, why don't we just pitch this? What the hell? What do we have to lose? You know, let's convince the old man to give it a shot. You know, that's the one I'm, thing in I'm, Response to our 20-minute rant about how much WWE sucks is is why don't what's what's the make it better? I mean, is there anything that's going to change it outside of the old man finally biting the dust? No. Well, this is well, this is the thing, isn't it? Like the 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 the, the, the most frustrating thing about the state of WWE, when you particularly when you think about the talent that they've got in that company is that it's so easy for it to not be shit. And yet somehow they seem to, not only is it shit, they seem to actively go out of their way to make it shit. Mm. Like there are times <laughs> where they literally just don't have to do anything and it would be fine. And yet they do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Cause like the way thing I was getting to was that, um, when I was writing the best of super juniors thing with Sir Sam, we were realizing that we're going into this, trying to figure out who's going to win and whatnot. But, like, we're talking in terms of there's one guy who's had a one-year solid build in Shingo Takagi. And, like, he's had a one-year solid build. So we're like, oh, surely they've been building him for a full year consistently. <laughs> and then there's another guy called Dragon Lee who just won their championship. The first thing they do, they spend a month building him as a champion with, like, his heart and determination. He's going to defend the belt <laughs> with honor for his friend Hiramu. But, and then they're going into this tournament. So, well, he can't lose either. They've built him. And then they've got uh, the guy who beat Kushida at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, Taiji Ishimori. They got him as well. Well, he can't lose either. Who's <laughs> the guy who beat Wrestle Kingdom? 
suddenly you've got all of this depth within, and with, these are the juniors. These are the essentially the cruiserweights, <laughs> and there's this much effort going into their essentially cruiserweight division. Like, just this blows anything WWE are doing out of the water in terms of consistency and character arcs. Because I think that's the other thing. There's, there's no reason to care about these characters. They're doing things, and you don't know if what they did last week is going to be relevant this next week. Well, I think that there are small exceptions to it, but to that, but I mean, it's definitely the overriding rule, and the exceptions tend to be stumbled into rather than oh, yeah. consciously crafted. Yeah, like Kofi. Kofi wasn't the plan. They fell on Kofi, but I have to applaud them for going in with it. They made the right decision in the end. Like, it's it, but it's, it's, even that comes with, with caveats, doesn't it? Because yeah. it's like they went all in with Kofi, but then they didn't have the balls to hold off on KO, so they rushed the KO thing, and then the KO thing kind of ended up sort of almost flatlining his return before it even started. And so it's, they, they cannot help themselves. They have to cock something up. <laughs> they have to, they have to yeah, WWE something up. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you go to the night of the Royal Rumble, Becky... And Ronda, face to face. That, that was, was the as, match. That was as hot. Them face to face was as hot as virtually anything they've done over the last few years, right? It's up there with the, with the amongst the, the hottest things you ever like. Look, I want to pay whatever sum of of gold I have in my bag to give to you to watch these two people tear each other apart, and then look where we look where we went over the next ten weeks from that, and like <laughs> that's. All the twists and turns. Ron, you know, uh, Charlotte literally, like, she's a loser who, who doesn't win any matches, but we're just going to put her in. Like, she had won one match, or, uh, I'm sorry, she won two matches between Survivor Series and WrestleMania. Period. Two matches. She won the title against Asuka, and then she beat, uh, after she beat the hell out of uh, Ronda at Survivor Series, two nights later, she beat the Iconics in one-on-one matches, back-to-back. That was it. That was a whole entire building at WrestleMania. Like, she's a person that was getting her ass whooped in a feud against Becky Lynch, and then she won two matches for, for a, a whole season of a year, and then she ends up in WrestleMania. They did nothing to help give you um, reasons for, like, why does Becky, I'm sorry, why does Charlotte and Ronda, like, why, what is their, their rub to where they want to beat each other to death besides something that happened six or happened like six months ago that you got you aren't even bringing up yourself. Like they take they take all these shortcuts with their storytelling, and it's it's beyond the the you know like we're cutting stuff because you can make your own logical leap and, and make it make sense to yourself. They're making they they pull stuff out of nowhere, and you're just like you have to grasp at straws or, or or like literally twist yourselves in like a contortionist to make it make sense in your own in your own mind in your own headspace. So. That, that's really an issue, and the thing is, for me, is wrestling fans are not all ironic, jaded, um, you know, I guess uh, I guess the word would be um, not, or whatever, like, just negative people. Like, they tune in because they want to be entertained. They, be, they, they, want, they feel like there's plenty of reason to be optimistic about the look at the talent you have. We've seen all these different people from around the world do and be successful at different things at different points in their careers. We've seen them be successful in their own right on WWE at different points. So why can't you guys get out of your own way and let the talent be talented? 
as opposed to we have to micromanage everything. We have to make all these matches exactly the same so that a Seth Rollins match on Raw goes through the same motions that a freaking match between, let's say, uh, Bobby Lashley and whoever else you want to throw out there. It, 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 and there's no differences in style. Everybody, for no, for no rhyme or reason, they do a dive, go to commercial break, come back. And it's like... That gets, the, that gets in the way of you actually caring about these these matches, and you get trained to sit on your hands and just like look at your phone or whatever else until you get to, oh, all right, I just saw the Falcon Arrow. Now it's time for me to care. Yeah, that's a really good point there. Like, yeah, we are. I feel like we're trained to be on Twitter, not watching the show, and then like, oh, something cool happens. Now I'm meant to be paying attention. <laughs> yeah, like you're meant to passively watch it without paying attention to. Any slight detail change, and, and I think and there might be a conscious effort. It might be a conscious effort, and I talked to James about this. I was like, I feel like the way Vince McMahon is operating, like with the wild card stuff, and you know, it immediately undoing the superstar shakeup and everything. He's legitimately trying to deconstruct pro pro wrestling storytelling and booking to where we have no idea of what to compare this to. So they ultimately have free reign to do what they want. And then they they don't care. They'll run off whoever, everyone that throws their hands up, and then just keep they. It's commerce over you know whatever, like over like art or whatever. So they've they they. Hold on, you're muted, James. <laughs> He's proper uh, animated though. Commerce <laughs> over quality is what that's what you're correct. Doing okay. Yeah. So like they're 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 taking the check and they're just like. It's an, it's, a, it's a complacent company, and yeah, I think it's why AEW is so important. Yeah, this is why AEW is so important. I feel like it's uh, it gives Vince a little too much credit, honestly, to say that, that he's doing anything so conscious. But I do agree that he's – I mean, I said it. I can't remember which one of the 15,000 shows I apparently do now that I said it on. But I, I, I said at some point in the recent past that if – I'm pretty convinced if Vince could earn money from a wrestling company without putting any wrestling on, he absolutely would do because he's, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> that's his primary interest. And that's why their creative seems to be so odds with what fans want because fans want good creative and the company wants money. So it's, it's a, it's a toxic situation to be in. And I think there's a certain cult of personality there as well, where people have drilled home this, 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 um, this myth of, of the myth of Vince McMahon so much that he is an unbridled creative genius um, that, uh, you know, that it's, it's like he seems to get free passes for, for the, the, the endless uh, rubbish that gets uh, put out on television. And as I tweeted the other day, it's fair enough if you want to take credit for, for all the great things, but that means you've got to take credit for all the crap as well. I mean, I've lost count of the number of times we've heard everything goes through Vince McMahon. And if that's the case, then ultimate responsibility is his for everything that we see, which means that 99% of the crap we see is on him. And there's no two way. And he can, you know, you can have all the, all the, the uh, business calls you want where you say it's because of, of, you know, ratings are down because of injuries, injuries, even though we employ half of all the wrestling industry. So how the hell that hap works? I've, I've no idea. Um, <laughs> and, but, but really everyone, you know, ev- you can't tell me that people were sat on that phone call thinking, well, he's, he's definitely telling the truth. Like it's, it's the elephant in the room. Everyone at this point knows that Vince is the problem. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't get addressed. Maybe it can't get addressed. I don't know. But there's, you know, the, 
the, the product is senile and it's increasingly impossible to, um, to convincingly argue that the issues with the product and the continued prevalence of Vince McMahon's authority within the company aren't both linked to a single phenomenon. Plan, you made a really good point in your book about how eras, they don't just end and they don't just start. Everything has this sort of slow transition point, and we've been slowly transitioning to this point in WWE history when fan angst is at an all-time high, the number of things that they do wrong creatively, and I use that term, you know, purposefully. I could have chosen a different term besides wrong, but I'm just going to be bold, I guess, and use that term now. It's wrong, a lot of the stuff that they do creatively, and they've, they've had enough bad habits build up that it's created such fan angst to where we're at a boiling point. And, um, and it's, it's about, I think, if, if we're not at that peak point where it's going to start, where shit's going to start rolling downhill soon, then we're we're fast approaching it, and you know the, something's going to happen. Something is going to prompt change in a bigger way for WWE, and I think they're they're in that mo- they're in that mode right now where if they continue to do what they're doing, and right now we have no reason to believe that they won't just continue to do what they're doing because what's their motivation not to do it, but they're in that mode where if they continue down this path, they've got some big humbling moments ahead of them. You know, I think that a, a network like Fox is not going to put them on a Friday night expecting them to draw ratings. And then they, they just trot out this garbage that they've been trotting out for most of the last few years um, as, as the, the, the sort of the, the general theme of their product, not really uh, moving forward in any logical way, not paying attention to long-term narrative drive, not world building, et cetera. And and it's not going to draw ratings. It's not going to be interesting enough to draw ratings. And when it doesn't draw ratings, I I would be willing to guarantee you a company like Fox would say, "Mm, nope, better change it up or, you know, we'll flat out cancel you. you, I think you're about to broach the broach the ultimate truth, which is, and it may sound dramatic, but I think the way things are moving and have moved over the last couple of years is, if there aren't dramatic changes coming, then there's probably going to be an end coming sometime soon. And I know that WWE has never been making more money than they make now, but you know, the, ultimately it comes down to if no one's watching and no one's turning up, you ain't making any money. Yeah, and that's and that's been the hard part about it from a fan standpoint is that you can see the creative aspect compared to the talent on the roster has never been in, in a, in in an inverse ratio quite like it is right now. I mean, they've done far better with far less. Like it's not 1995. Yeah. So they've got more talent available to them there and they're, but, but there's, there's nothing happening that's affecting their bottom line. You know, if ratings aren't good, well, they're. I mean, they're at this point. They're locked into a deal that makes yeah. them a lot of money. They've got these new deals that are better than ever. So they don't have any impetus to change it. They're looking at the trends and just assuming they must be doing something right. Revenues are at an all-time high, and that's the part they'll point to and say, "Yeah, well, WWE is doing something right, so maybe you guys should just get over it." Well, 
fair enough. We'll get over it. We'll go watch this new product that hopefully smashes it out of the park and actually takes into account some of the creative things that have been um, that have been such problems such problematic aspects of the WWE roster. It's really longer than that. So, you know, I'm hoping that AEW basically turns up and, and, and does everything that can be done to give fans who want to watch wrestling but who don't feel like they get one of wrestling from WWE anymore an avenue to watch a company in North America and, and, and with respect to New Japan, I mean, at the end of the day, as much as I love New Japan pro wrestling from what I've seen so far, I can certainly see it being – it has a ceiling in terms of what it can do in North America. The truth is, is that, you know, the biggest stars over there are Japanese and speak Japanese. I, I think AEW has got this outlet to take all of what New Japan has done so well – and translate it to a North American audience that, or, or an English-speaking audience, I guess, and, and be able to capitalize on some of the advantages that are, inherently, that are inherent to that. So AEW is a big part of this, I think. I think that there's going to be a lot of things that will have to take place for us to get the change that I think we all want. And I think at the end of the day, it just needs to reach a point to where, as, as tough as um, – Shows dedicated to talking up and 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 upping the the amount of energy spent talking about WWE, a company that has for 30 plus years said that it doesn't matter if what everyone is saying about us is rubbish, as long as everyone is talking about us, then we have the brand equity that we need to continue to push our product forward and make the amount of money we want to make. That's going to have to change. You know, we're, it's simply the the amount of negative energy put forth by fans toward WWE is eventually just going to have to boil down to just bowing out and saying, "Me, all right, you know what? I mean, the re- reality is, is this company's not giving me what I want. I, for every one good thing, I have to stomach ten things that I really don't like and and, and don't agree with on a philosophical level. It's like a, if they want us to judge them like we would." A television show, fair enough, we can do that. If they want us to judge them like a sports team or a sports franchise, well, fair enough, we can do that too. And no matter which way you really boil it down, whether you look at it like an entertainment property or a sports franchise, WWE is failing in every aspect except for how much money it makes. And that is going to create a day of reckoning at some point. It may not be this year. It probably won't be next year. It could be within the next five, and and it's at that point that things will level out on their end, and they'll drop down. And when they do, the wrestling industry at large is strong enough to be able to capitalize on it the same way that WCW did in the mid-1990s. They capitalized on a weakened WWE product. Someone will capitalize it on, a, on it again. And to be able to say that's fascinating to me, looking at going back to the reminiscing point we were talking about earlier – when I started the Doc Says in 2013, I don't think I would have ever dreamed I'd be able to say that, yeah, if WWE keeps doing some of the bad, continues that some of the bad habits they've had, then we're going to end up with a situation where someone's going to come up and, and become a legitimate number two at least. 
Yeah. <laughs> all, all of us waiting to see if it's the internet goes. <laughs> <He's actually finished. laughs> yeah. Um, I think. I mean. I yeah. think it. It was. I tell you what I found quite telling was when the news broke this last week, and I thought that it's it's so. It, I kind of went well. Of course, that's how they're they're gonna. You know how they're gonna proceed. Was when you know news came out of, of continued low ratings and stuff. And the WWE were going to stop putting, uh, or at least delay putting up the YouTube clips and stuff in the hope that that's going to boost ratings. And it's like, all you're doing, instead of reacting to events and saying, maybe we can do better, how do we do better? You're just basically saying, now we're doing good enough. What other ways can we strong arm people, strong arm fans into being forced to watch the TV? You know, and that's that was so You can say that that their first reaction wasn't how can we improve the products so fans want to watch. It was what can we do to force fans to watch because they must be getting it from somewhere else. Yeah, and uh, and the thing that gets me about that one is here, uh, guys, I, I know this is a – I don't know how this works as far as like when it comes to your football leagues um, over over in, in um, England or in, in the U.K. or whatever else, but here uh, we have uh, American football, we have the NFL – and they used to do this thing called, uh, or maybe they still do, it's called um, blacking out for market. So um, if, let's say, I'm, I'm from Tampa, right? So our, our team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is where WrestleMania 36 will be, right, at Raymond James Stadium. So if you, if there weren't a certain percentage of the, of the attendance was met, they will black out the game, meaning that there will be no NFL. You won't be able to watch the Bucs in, a, I think, a 50- or 100-mile radius of the stadium. Right, so the impetus was either you were putting either you got either the community needs to, you know, put bus in seats or you we don't show the game to you guys as a punishment or whatever else. Um, and Punish. yeah, right. And 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 over the years, like the percentage has gone like lower and lower and lower over the years as attendance. Obviously, like the the TV experience and the live experience is, you know, it's easier to watch stuff from home, better cameras, better angles, air conditioning, away from elements, all that sort of thing. So. When it comes to, but my, I'm, my my point is, when you talk about we're going to get rid of the YouTube, um, in order, for, uh, so you tune in and watch is like, okay, so the entry level buy in for me to go watch on YouTube means like I'm clearly already off your product and I'm just following along just to keep up to see if there's anything that interests me that I will actually want to tune back in to watch. So once you say you came, I'm not even going to give you like the, I'm not even going to give you. Uh, a sample to see if you actually want to, you know, come back. You know, people are just gonna just drop off. They're not gonna say, "Oh, well, I can't get this clip, so now I'm gonna I can't get like the clips where I can watch a three hour show in twenty minutes or a half hour. So now I'm just gonna have to watch a three hour show." That's not how that's gonna work. And the other thing about it is just like that. That for me, I was like, "Yo, this thing is like fundamentally broken." Was getting hearing about the the viewership this week after they said the all time low rating and. They put they load the show up by pumping by promoting Roman Reigns for for a few days, which shows you like the lack of of, of foresight they have that like they didn't know to like to hype him up the week before to do it. They had to do it on social media three days before. Like they get Roman Reigns out there, they get uh, Kofi Kingston out there, they get Daniel Bryan out there, and you get two WrestleMania rematches, and that only nets you eighty thousand more viewers. Like we're, this is this is like a, that's like this a thing has that's an like terminally ill. Like. That's an indictment, and I don't know where we move on from here. But like whatever it is, it's not going to be something that they can fix in one week. It's going to have to be like a commitment to them unfucking themselves and moving on to the future uh, to change turn this around. And 
after watching this, you know, the last uh, I don't know, let's say year, or really honestly since uh, since like WrestleMania thirty three, I have no reason to believe that they're going to turn this around because they they they've done nothing but show you that like this is what we do. We've done it for two years. Why why do you keep tuning in? We keep like it's almost like the relationship where like you're in a relationship with somebody that you love and they keep treating you bad and your friends tell them why don't you just leave dummy and you're just like I, I just can't let go of this thing that's in my life because it's been you know because it's the thing I actually I really love it but like it's bad for me and like we're at a point now where like you watch you watch the show and it's literally like like the Avengers when uh, Tony handed up you know and he said to, to Captain Captain America, he's like, "Look, man, like I have, I have zip, I have nothing for you. Like, there's no trust, no nothing, liar. And all they've done is just give you no reason to have faith in. Like, they do something, and you're like, will it pay off? No, it's just, it's just fucking heat. And and let's not mistake, and let's not mistake, you know, as a lot of the people who I interact with on social media will apologize on behalf of WWE for. You know, having Kofi Kingston win the title is great. It is. Yeah. Having Seth Rollins become universal champion, that's great. It is. And having yeah. Becky Lynch win the title in the main event of WrestleMania is great. But that's that's the equivalent in that relationship of buying me some flowers and, and you know, and a TV and, and, and something for my car. And, and it's all great. And it is. That's nice. Thank you. But the fundamental fact of the matter is, is that you still treat me like crap. So, you know, and you think I'm stupid on top of that. And that's probably the most frustrating thing is because all of the stuff that WWE does, whether they, whether they are doing it on purpose or not, really is beside the point. They treat their most ardent fans like they're stupid. And that is extraordinarily problematic. And I think that's one of the biggest things we need to get from these companies that are rising up to, to try to challenge WWE is basically just a product that, that, that does a good job creatively of acknowledging the intelligence of its audience. And yes, there are going to be things that people do that are not all that. I mean, they're, they call it, we're called fans for a reason. We're fanatics. That's not exactly in the dictionary, a term that, that carries with it a whole lot of inherent positivity. But, you know, we're going to do some things that are a little – on the on the edge of, of, of crazy sometimes. We're going to say some things and demand some things that are going to be a little bit overzealous, but that doesn't mean that fans don't know what they're talking about. It doesn't mean that they cannot appreciate and don't quite frankly flat out demand a an intelligently presented product that has a flow to it and a narrative drive that makes sense, not just at the top of the card, but dating back to many, many years throughout the rest of the card where, you know, things like tag team wrestling should matter, but things like something below the women's championship in the women's division should matter, but does not. Things like the consistency of the Intercontinental United States Championships. I mean, these are old gripes, and I think that we could go on for hours about this, and I would love for us to sit, to sit down now and start transitioning toward a more uh, a more cheery topic that won't, you know, have us have us all five needing to do some meditation after we're done with this. Uh, but bottom line is, is you know, something something's got to be the catalyst for the change that needs to take place because these gestures are not change. 
these gestures, yeah, like, they're, well, they're, they're not playing big picture progress. They're, they're playing results over over process. A, a lot of it, like when when you guys mentioned, like you know, Seth being the champion, Becky being the champion, um, Kofi being the champion. Well, you guys got what you wanted, but it's like there's a process that is completely being skipped before we get to that point. It feels like to where they're doing good work on the way up to it, to where the groundwork is laid for these people to have exciting things to do after they win the championship. And then it's like, you know, just keeping people special along the way, they're, they're losing the ability to do that. This, I mean, the, yeah, the, the, the thing is, the, the sad truth of this is that this entire conversation is, is sort of moot, really, because to, to pick up on a, a couple of things that, that all you, um, and what I was saying earlier, and as I'm sure everyone on this show would probably uh, agree with at this point, um, that, that quote of Tony Stark from Avengers, uh, I think, really goes somewhere of, uh, I've got nothing to offer you. And I think that that's very much the case that uh, Vince McMahon's in. This conversation begins and ends with him, and it begins and ends with him stepping away. And because until that happens... WWE continue in the cycle that they've been in, and it goes beyond WrestleMania 33. It goes, you could take this all the way back to 2010, 2009, that with, with, despite intermittent periods of positivity, ultimately the core functionality of the product has, has remained unchanged for a decade. You know, you're talking about the same cycle of segments on TV, whether it's contract signings or brawls that get out of control or overlong TV matches. You're talking about uh, you know, gimmick pay-per-views happening in the same month, year in and year out, year in and year out, regardless of where the storylines demand those gimmick pay-per-views at that point. And the very idea of gimmick pay-per-views means that gimmicks themselves uh, now feel like they've had their day. Hell in a Cell has been around for 20 years. The ladder matches have been around for longer, you know. And and again, with the odd exception like Royal Rumble, which actually benefits from its, from its uh, longevity, for the most part, the entire... Every nook and cranny of WWE's product needs to be reassessed and uh, re- reinvented uh, and, and reinvigorated. And, and maybe that's something as simple as just regressing in, this, in, in a positive way. I use that term positively in the way that something like NXT has done to a more simple product. But, you know, I mean, there are so many issues in play that I know that that's an oversimplification of the, of the, uh, the conversation. But what isn't an oversimplification of this is to say that none of it happens unless Vince McMahon steps away. And the sad truth is I don't think he will do until either he dies or WWE dies before him. And that's a, a, a very tragic state of affairs, which means that to try and swing this back towards something more positive, um, uh, which means that you know the fact that the rest of the wrestling industry looks so healthy and robust, and the fact that AEW looks like they're going to do something that hasn't happened in a very, very long time, uh, and, and that they seem to be going so far the right way around doing it, um, and, and spotlighting current talent and operating not just to sell conscience, but to operate with a conscience, which is a which is a major difference between those two organisations. It's only going to become more pertinent as, as time goes on. It's all extremely positive. So. Even though WWE has never been worse, conversely, the wrestling industry never seems to have been better, and maybe there's something in that. Yeah, like uh, with AEW, for me, if you uh, look at their storyline from last year on being the elite, and you think, if that's an example, like if the uh, Bullet Club is fine storyline, if that is an example of what we're going to get, 
with that amount of depth, with that amount of storytelling over like years, <laughs> that was the way they incorporated Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi's like they don't they have no interaction, and then in one backstage video they look at each other for like half a second, and that's all your build for like three four months. <laughs> it's like little things like that, and if Bullet Club is fine, is an example, then we should be in for a treat with AEW. There'll be a variety show like WWE. Like they've signed Joey Ryan. They've signed, oh, I cannot remember his name, the guy who at Joe Janela Spring Break got chance of no legs. Like, <laughs> he is. Dustin Thomas. That's his name, yes. Like, he he made an amazing impact, and he's going to be on uh, the, the casino y thing on the pre show, whatever that's got with the different cards that they're doing. <laughs> Coming up with new stuff. I think it's called Buy In. Oh, that's it, yeah. That's owning for free on the, in the UK if you want to watch that on ITV4. That's nice and cool. <laughs> and also, I mean, just just to jump in for one second, I read because um, I'm listen. I'm not, you know, I'm far from. I know least about this than all of you guys on the show. But um, you know, reading about the battle royal they're going to do on on the pre-show with this um, concept of five guys entering at once, according to a suite they pulled in a deck of cards and stuff. I mean, regardless of what you may think of that, what again, that's sort of what I was driving at a minute ago. It's a new idea that just doesn't happen in WWE, who are married to concepts and ideas that have been around now for two decades. So just offering up that freshness and going, okay, well, here's a new new slant on something that I've not seen before, so it's going to be interesting to see how that works. Like That's, that's enough alone to get me to buy the show. And that's on the pre-show, I know. Mm, yeah. And like, uh, like looking forward... AWTV, we know nothing about it. Everyone's really excited. We know we have like the roster, and we've, we'll get a great preview with Double or Nothing or the other shows they've got coming up in June and July. I think there are like two smaller shows. So we'll see what's. We get a nice preview. But with WWE, they're, like Fox has told them the need to hit 3 million, according to rumors. To which every, like, immediately someone tweeted out that gif of Donald Faison in Scrubs. <laughs> like, not going to happen. <laughs> it's just. Yeah, that's just... Yeah, it seems a bit yeah. far-fetched, man. Yeah, like, what are they now? 1.8, I want to say, in America? Yeah, so, SmackDown. Yeah. Whilst in the UK, if AEW do get on ITV, even if it's ITV4, like, they'll blow uh, WWE's numbers on Sky Sports out of the water. It won't even be close. Like, it, you know, again, you're talking yeah. about three compared to subscription within a subscription. Like, the numbers are going to be so much higher. Yeah. So, a very interesting time for wrestling. <laughs> But looking forward, I want to end on a happy note, <laughs> at least. <laughs> oh, 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 so you want optimism? Yes, yes, James. <laughs> optimism. Let's get finish show on the line then. <laughs> oh no, 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 that was that was more of an inside joke between me and Rich. Like when people talk about like when people you see ever see like any of these panels about like historic like the historical legacy of racism in America, like they'll people 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 will lay out like people will lay out like. The history and the policy that led to where we are now over the past 400 years, and then at the end, like some 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 moderator, some person that well, they will be like, yeah, well, uh, or a Q, at the end of the Q and A, they'll be like, is there any reason for optimism? And then you also look at the camera and be like, no, there's no reason for optimism. <laughs> but, but, sure, but, but sure, like this is we've done this. Let's go ahead and talk about optimism. Sure, let's see, let's let, let's do it. What you got? Yeah. Well, That's I was going frighteningly British levels of cynicism like that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I was going to cheat and throw to Doc, who twisted his show, <laughs> looking at the things that he actually enjoyed within wrestling. <laughs> so, Doc, you looking forward with your kind of show, the more op- optimistic things. Are there any? Is there anything that jumps out of you looking forward? 
Oh, well, I mean, I think that... Um, mute him, in, you know. <laughs> What's that? This is where it mutes you, so it sounds like you've got nothing optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's lots of reasons for optimism. I, I think that, uh, you know, AEW's first show gives you lots of reasons for optimism. I've been watching the the uh, the road to double or nothing on YouTube. And one of the things that it got me thinking about, and um, it's just, I, I want to see from AEW, I want to see from whoever else pops up in the coming years. I want to see as New Japan tries to expand further into North America, as the NWA tries to reestablish some sort of a foothold, as Impact tries to continue its upward trajectory that from the momentum began throughout 2018. I want to see wrestling companies try something different. I mean, I watched this AEW double or nothing, and I've spoken numerous times over the years about how, you know, I don't really need to watch WWE TV to, to invest in a pay-per-view match because oftentimes all it takes is a single segment. I mean, it is two, a single segment involving characters who are telling me what their motivations are for fighting each other done well is enough for me. I mean, I don't necessarily need to see something uh, incredible, but throughout the next several years, I want to see companies take, take chances. I want to see them try new formats. I want to see someone maybe come out and say, you know what? We don't really need a weekly television show 52 weeks per year. You know, we can do a weekly television show six months out of the year and have you know, anticipation build up to our next quote unquote season and then use that as a format to run shows and make our YouTube channel popular. Cause I'll tell you what, here's a good example for me. Double or nothing is going to have a match and it, you could maybe call it the emotional center of that show is going to be uh, Cody Rhodes against Dustin Rhodes. And on paper, I had no interest in that match. Not a single shred. When I, when someone told me, that that was going to be Cody's mystery opponent is, you know, is, is his brother. I'm thinking, oh, man, I mean, that's, that's not interesting to me at all. But in, in two five-minute videos that, that AEW posted on YouTube, I got invested because all of a sudden Dustin Rhodes is talking in this really sort of depressing tone about how Cody represents in, 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 in a way – the relationship with Dusty Rhodes that Dustin never got to have. And, uh, well, okay, cool. Well, all right, that's an interesting take. I mean, it, this isn't just a, hey, WWE never gave us 15 minutes for a match. We always got stuck with, like, the tease of it and then an eight-minute match that no one ended up caring about in, in, in hindsight. This is Dustin telling me this is why I want to face Cody. I want to beat the crap out of my brother. I love him but I want to beat the crap out of him because he represents to me the relationship I wanted to have with my father that I didn't get to have because he was out there being world champion. Dusty, after he retired, gave Cody the kind of uh, father-son relationship that he never got to have. I get that. That's, that's a motivational tactic that I can understand and relate to. I like what we're seeing from Cody in response where he makes it not just about, you know, Hey, you know, Hey, dad loved us both. The story of the prodigal son 
yeah, turned out the dad loved us both equally. So I'm not going down that road with you. But you know what road I will go down? I'll go down the road of the fact that your old ass represents something that needs to get the blank gone in pro wrestling. And that's this adoration of the attitude era. That's this holding it on a pedestal. It's been 20 years, man. It's time to move on is what Cody Rhodes is saying. I didn't need a weekly television show to tell me that. I didn't need four weeks of TV well-crafted across some major network to convince me that the prodigal son angle that Dustin Rhodes wants to play and the attitude era must die angle that Cody Rhodes wants to play. That's what's motivating these guys to want to fight each other. And as, as such, I'd like to see them fight now. That's all I need. What more do we really need? Now, if somebody wants to go fire all of their typical creative people and then give up a call to Kevin Feige at Marvel and say, hey, you got like a, a guy who's been following you around for the last 10 years who, uh, who wants to make like $3 million a year, who you just you, you were going to promote like 10 years from now, who we're ready to promote now. You got anybody like that? Oh, you do? Okay. Hey, you and this guy who knows pro wrestling as an industry really well, you guys sit down and build us a world. Build us a world, and we'll execute it on television over the next 52 weeks, and we'll just see what, ha- we'll just see what happens because we've got nothing to lose. People have been turning off our show in droves at a faster rate than everyone else's shows have been turned off on television for years now. So what the hell? Let's try it out. I want to see new ideas. I want to see something different. So I think the industry is in a great place. I think it's, it's, an, it's an awesome thing to be able to talk about companies like AEW. I think it's great that Impact Wrestling has gotten to a point where people don't look at them as a laughing stock anymore. I think it's great that I could go and feel just absolutely enthused as hell about going to a show like the NWA Crockett Cup a couple of weekends ago and had a blast and, you know, not much of an expectation there. But from what I got out of it, I thought, man, this is a good example of the health of the wrestling industry because there's really, given the stars on this show, there's no reason it should have been as as good as it was, but it turned out to be great because everybody had a direction and tried their ass off, and it was awesome. I get the feeling half the time when I watch WWE that, shit, we don't know what we're motivated for because tomorrow the guy upstairs who makes all the decisions might decide, you know what, that direction we told you when we were going to put the universal title on you, Seth, like six months ago, that's probably not going to happen anymore. And that title ring we told you you were going to have over the next six months, well, Brock Lesnar's coming back for Saudi Arabia. Or Saudi Arabia. You're going to drop the title to him. I, mean, I swear I want to God, see. God, if that happens, I'm coming for you now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come for me. <laughs> come for the old man. So, you know, uh, that's, that's kind of a, a, a rant of positivity, if you will. <laughs> Uh, so it's, uh, you know, that, that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm excited about the industry. I, I want things to change. I think that the opportunity for change is upon us, and let's see it. Plan, can you be positive? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that's a question my fellow ponders have been asking for six years, and so far they've come to the conclusion, no. <laughs> oh, um, you want to give it a go? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I mean, my favorite wrestler is the world champion in the world's biggest pro wrestling promotion, right? So what the hell do I have to grumble about? Like, ultimately, that's, you know, that's awesome. Uh, And he's wrestling AJ Styles in the next 
pay-per-view, which should be, you know, a big, a big match, should be a great match, a match that I'm very excited to see. I can't wait to see Seb, uh, you know, tear it down or burn it down, I suppose, over the next few months as champion, however long it, it may or may not last. Um, and yeah, WWE's kind of shit uh, and has been now for, for a number of years. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I try to be quite pragmatic about it and I accept that. Um, but AEW's coming up, you know, there's a new product that is instantly accessible, uh, e- as easy, if not easier, to access than WWE that I can um, check out and sink my teeth into, so that's exciting. Um, and, I mean, it's it's worth saying as well that, that typically I'm more positive than the average WWE fan about what they put out. So, um, you know, I mean, maybe that's damning because even I'm saying it's fucking awful, but... Um, Generally speaking, there's if I mean I I I like Doc was saying I'd love to see um, I'd love to see the the very way a wrestling product is offered to people fundamentally change because it feels like it hasn't because I know that like sports is is something of an exception to the way that people's TV viewing habits have, have changed over the last, let's say, five years specifically with the onset of binge-watching and Netflix and on streaming services. People consume their television differently. And I know that sports is sort of the exception to that. But obviously wrestling is in this curious position where it's kind of half of one thing and half of another. And I think in terms of how you consume it, it's probably closer to not being sport than it is because of obviously the the way that the, the, an episode of wrestling TV works, um, and so it, I'd love to see um, sort of what Doc was saying of, a, of you know whether it's a WWE or someone else, just totally rethinking the way that they that they offer up a, a, a week to week product, whether they even need to offer up a week to week product in the way that they have done. It feels like wrestling hasn't accounted for the fundamental way people's viewing habits have changed. And this notion that WWE are married to about live TV in the same spot every week feels curiously outdated now. Hmm. Right. Rich, be happy. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, can't wait. Um, but as far as, like, uh, how 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 wrestling, uh, you know, something to be positive in wrestling about, I think it's, like, more about the, um, the, the total scape of wrestling now. Um, you got pro wrestling in every country thriving you have like the um, wrestlemania weekend events that draw people from around the world and like the fellowship that's created among fans uh i got to connect with a lot of people that have listened to the shows over the years uh that recognized me out when we were in new york and it it was nuts and i kind of like look at that like as more as like the the best thing yeah you know wwe is going to be what it's going to be but like as long as we we all have like you know this this community that we've created amongst each other, it's a um it, it's a good thing for me and you know someone that that puts out uh you know content to to get that uh you know feeling back essentially that that we're appreciated and we appreciate uh, folks listening to us like that's that's pretty much like something I, I'm really positive about because that thing's only growing and and gonna get better especially like with AEW coming because it's like I don't have to watch something and tear it apart all the time be based on like you know I can where I can trace a line back going from years and talk about every decision that's led to this this has a fresh history a fresh like whole thing like that New Japan if you want to talk about that it's like 
the they are literally the next man up promotion. It's like they they lose AJ and Nakamura, they get bigger than ever. Like they lose the elite now, and then their business is still doing well domestically in Japan. Has it been as hot in America? Not quite. But that's like a whole you know thing in itself. Like as long the the, the thing that New Japan are as I mentioned earlier, they're kings of the process. They're they're typically going to put the lay the groundwork for the right things to happen. Um, and even in WWE, like the, when they go to Fox, I think it's going to be like something to be positive is that they are going to be challenged. Like at least they are not on their same complacent laurels on USA Network where they've literally just, you know, fuck the money, as we say. And it's like they have this new challenge to where they have to they're, they're going to get somewhat of a overhaul, like set wise, possibly. It's going to look a little different. They're going to have to try to grow the audience so like i think that that's exciting to kind of look forward to to see if they can do it and if not oh we'll be on them and and, and you know the, <laughs> anything with one nation radio you know we've always had the uh policy of we're gonna keep it honest like if they're putting out trash we're gonna rip them to bits but we're gonna like praise them as well like if it goes well and i think um you know Chad mentioned, like, you know, everywhere around the world is, is becoming respectable. You've got the, the independent scene that's, uh, you know, it's not quite, it's never going to be what it was, like, a couple years ago, right? But it's just going to take another generation of outside. And I think there's, you know, the, the advent of technology has made it to where, you know, we have so much more, we have the ability to find this talent ourselves, essentially, and and support them. Like, James can watch stardom and, like, you know, become an expert in all their, their talent. Like I can, you know, check out, you know, CMLL if I want to. Like there's, there's, there's something for everyone. Like in the world of wrestling, and I think like the, uh, like if you're disenfranchised with WWE, don't be afraid to like to reach out to people that are more than willing to help help you like get what you love out of pro wrestling again because it is out there. Yeah, that's an awesome note to end on, <laughs> James. It's awesome. That's an awesome note to end on. And now, James, you're going to screw it up. Yeah, like, yeah, Rich, Rich brought it up. And um, I said to him, like, probably halfway through the trip, because, you know, the last three years we've gone to uh, WrestleMania weekend or that week in whatever town it's in. And New York was the best wrestling experience of my life. Like, I saw in a span of, was it four or five days, I saw – uh, I saw Dragon Lee versus Cavanario. I saw Will Ospreay versus Bandito. I saw P- uh, Penta versus Phoenix. I, you know, like I saw uh, Utami Ahayashishida versus Momo Watanabe. I saw Nicole Savoy versus Hiroyo Masamoto. I saw uh, Dust versus Samantha Heights. I saw Dust versus Suzuki. I saw Will. I saw Will Ospreay versus Cobb. I saw uh, Ibushi versus Naito. I saw Jay White versus. Uh, uh, Jay White versus Okada. I saw freaking Kobe Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. This, 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 uh, this air. Oh, I also saw. Um, oh my God. Uh, what's the name? Britt Baker. Castle versus Britt Baker. Exactly. Yeah. Like I saw as much good or great. I saw as much great wrestling as I've ever seen. Oh, I also saw uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Shane Strickland. I saw as much great wrestling I've ever seen live in my life in one whole or just about my whole life in one whole week. Like there's so much talent around the world. And there's so many people to follow that, honestly, like, if you can, you know, find your spot in um, the rest community to find people that you tr- you trust and believe their opinions, 
of people that, that you know that have done the work, you can build yourself a nice place where you can just drop in and go wherever you want to and you know pick the best up, the best stuff in the world. Like I've, I've talked to Rich about this and, and Jeremy uh, of keeping a strong style off air before that like somewhere somehow there should be something like I don't know if it's the voice of wrestling that can handle this sort of thing. Observer, I mean, the observer kind of exists in this space, but uh, but a specific space where. You have people that do – they're all in these fields, and they can just say, like, these were the best matches of the week this week. And this is where you go to go – and these are the links to go to where you need to go see them or whatever else. And you can watch those, I don't know, at this point, 20 four-star matches uh, – or not well, 20, but, like, 15 four-star matches of the week and go through it. Like, that's where we are as far as a rust cup. Now, if your thing is you you need the foreplay to get into the sex of, of, of the rest of the matches. Like, cool, I understand it. Like, people people want stories or whatever else. And, I, and I'm a person that enjoys stories. I feel like stories add to the match. But the main thing for me is the match because what are we here for? We're here to see people fight. So, but people that, that are in that thing, like, there's also a room for that to where people can explain to you, can write in form, like, they're having this match for whatever reason. The winner gets, I don't know, gets a title shot, moves up the card, or simple facts of there's wins and losses or whatever else. Like, there's so much stuff around that, like, if WWE is, is not, you know, for you, there's other places you can get that. And, like, another thing that also kills, it gives, me, uh, gives me optimism is, like, the amount of young talent. I don't think – and Rich has talked about this, about the proliferation of talent because of the Internet. Like, people are able to pick up and learn how to wrestle at a rate faster than ever before previously, where before – you would talk. We would talk about, uh, or you would hear about guys in the '80s, and he was like, "Oh yeah, you know, he gets 500 matches. Once that person gets, you know, 500 matches under their belt, you know, working, you know, all around different territories, and all of a sudden they'll they'll be there." You look around the world, you see people like, you know, Ronda Rousey. She wasn't out here working for five years. Uh, Utami Hayashida. She her first match was like, I think in the summer. She was better than Ronda Rousey as a rookie this year. Uh, this this last year, that's for a nineteen year old to be that to be that kind of level, like that's that's what we're talking about. Like whether there's um the Ospreys, the Banditos, the the Mamawatanabes, whatever else, like you have this 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 golden age of all this young talent. Tyler Bate, for example, of all this talent that's under twenty five years old that they're already great. And once they get even more matches on their belt, like that's the future. And all you know, obviously injuries come into play of that, but like. We have all these people that are students of the game, all these prodigies. We've never had this proliferation of talent that all we have to do right now at this point, because there's even going to be more, the next wave is coming after that. It's like, all we have to do is just literally sit there, hope these people learn how, learn how to uh, build characters for themselves, get better at their, at their talking skills and go from there because in the, they have all this talent to look or all this, uh, this wealth Footage. of, a footage to go through to learn at a rate that like our, our you know our folks didn't like you would go back in the day and we'll hear about like OVW and um Cornette will talk about how when he had a big guy he would just hand him he would just hand him tapes of Brody and say this how you work as a big guy now you don't need the tapes you can go to a profile DB pop in or, or type in greatest matches of whatever year you want to look through the list and you see those 50 or so matches or whatever else, and just because it's all at your fingertips, you can go through and learn right in that. And, like, that is what I'm optimistic the future is. This, the the ability to learn, like, the tape trading stuff that used to happen in the 90s and the 2000s or whatever else, like, that has 
that has just like it's so much easier for people to learn. So I'm that's what I'm optimistic about. And I'm optimistic about my central heating being quiet. I apologize if I, I forgot to mute my mic quick enough. <laughs> but yeah, uh, personally, for my own optimistic, as I've realized, I've not actually said anything optimistic. <laughs> I might as well end it with this. But yeah, for me personally, looking to the future, it's, it's that thing of AEW is going to shake things up. Uh, I've been enjoying New Japan for five years, good God, five years now, and it's only getting better for me. It's just that it's one of those shows where the more you watch it, the more you get out of it. And uh, what we saw on Being the Elite seemed to go with the same thing, so that gets me really excited for AEW. Uh, WWE, something is going to change. As we said, Fox, that three million, Fox aren't going to just sit there and let WWE be what they are now. They're going to try and get something back from that investment. So something's going to happen. <laughs> it's nice and exciting. Uh, Jay's brought up the young talent. Like, even in WWE, you look at NXT UK, the amount of young talent we've got there is insane. And even you've seen at New Japan getting a few uh, people from the UK, like El Fantasmo as well, the uh, teabag artist himself, if I've called him from that one, uh-huh. <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> but yeah, with UK talent, for, it looks incredible. And we're all really young as well. Like Will Ospreay, he's still in his early 20s. I think like 25 or something. Tyler Bates, Pete Dunne, they're both under 25. Insane. Like some of the female wrestlers we've got, again, it's like Tony Storm. Yep. <laughs> She's so young, yet so talented. The... Yep. The future is really, really bright, and that does get me excited for the future of wrestling, obviously. <laughs> but in ter- on, the, on a kind of like personal level, in terms of what I really am looking forward to uh, personally, well, of course, personal level would be personally, wouldn't it? <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm, I'm just looking forward to, I guess, covering something I enjoy, just to put it a little bit more basic. Like, uh, when I came to Laws of Pain, it's mostly a WWE site, and there weren't really many other people talking about the other uh, promotions, so I made it a thing to talk about New Japan, and uh, I've seen more and more, like, more and more comments have openly talked about New Japan as well, which has been awesome, and I saw it on Laws of Pain uh, radio as well. We were at the Global Revolution, but now I've got talking about All Elite as well, and you've got Kingdom of Honor talking about New Japan and Ring of Honor and what, whatever they want to talk about. Uh, Doc, he now talks about whatever makes him happy. <laughs> as well. Like, Amen. So for me, like being able to write about whatever I want to write about, and it's not going to depress me whilst I'm writing it, because that's one thing I get with WWE. Because I'll try and be happy. I do my best. Like I, I quite enjoyed writing my columns on Becky Lynch and how great it was with the Kofi storylines and whatever going into WrestleMania. But still, at the same time, there's always like you're writing about the bollocks as well. <laughs> that's quite depressing. <laughs> so it's it's. I'm looking forward to writing in a positive way and doing a radio show in a positive way. Like, at the end of May, I might do a shift of the show to be, you know, talking a bit more positively, take a note from Chad, and if I don't want to talk about WWE, I don't talk about WWE. <laughs> like, the absolute advantage of Fern coming back for me is, Fern, can you talk about more for me, please? <laughs> it's been really useful. Like, I hear it on One Nation Radio as well. <laughs> like, one of you just going, no, I didn't watch that shit. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I completely checked out. Like there was like a, I think the tag match. It was like AJ and Seth, and then I was like, oh, okay, they're a team tonight. And then I saw Baron Corbin and Bobby Lashley walk into the ring, and I turned my brain off. I'm like, no, we're not doing yeah. this. Yeah, and because of because me, because I guess I'm a, a bit of a like um, 
I'm a person that wants to like say that I was there for the whole account while I'm watching this thing. Like, so Rich, Rich is like, nope, not doing it. Like Baron Corbin, I'm nope, not going through two commercial breaks. And meanwhile, my dumb ass, I'm like, well, fine, I watched it. So here's the here's here's what you missed. Like, yeah. So um, <laughs> it's it, it definitely times where like we take up for each other whenever one of us like is like, nah, we're we're done right now. Like we have hit we have hit our our uh, we have hit the 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 max number or max capacity for bullshit. <laughs> I feel like that's a positive note to end on. We've reached our max capacity for bullshit. <laughs> oh shit! That's great. Uh, anyway, I, I'm literally ending the show on that note. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you to uh, every single one of our listeners that made this show happen. Like seven million again is absolutely insane. Thank you to every single one of you. Yeah, you're more than just a number to us. <laughs> also, so thank you as well yeah. to the other representatives of Lord of Pain Radio who have uh, decided to happily do this show with me today. So first off, thank you to Chad, who I think is playing with his kids. Yeah. Yeah, I'm around. <laughs> I'm around, yeah. <laughs> They're at a birthday party now. The house is quiet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's, uh, it's an unbelievable mark to have hit. Seven million total listeners over the years, more than that now. That's... Uh, an incredible milestone. Thank you for everybody who made it happen, including those those hosts who uh, were not able to make it onto the show today and, and others from the past that were brought up, so from Super Chris to Dan Okaboom to, uh, to, uh, to, to Rob Simmons and, and, and a few others who have been along the journey who helped us get to this point. And a shout-out to oh, – I wrote it down on a different computer. Was it Hustle that came up with the additional idea for your LOP radio? Anybody know? It was, yes. It, it was, was Hustle. Hustle yeah. was yeah. the guy yeah. who led those interviews uh, that you mentioned uh, with the likes of, of UHA Nation, who has become Apollo Crews and, um, and, and, and Christopher Daniels and, and I think a few others. Uh, and a huge thank you to, uh, for my brief tenure where I had guests on every single week. Uh, just a thank you to every single person who decided to come on for some weird reason. A uh, Shout out to Chris Harrington, who is now working at AEW as an economist kind of person. He thinks, <laughs> I swear I followed you, Chris. <laughs> I just can't remember the words now. Uh, uh, also, for me, a shout out to uh, Ashton Wrestling Shorts, who I got into talking with during the, we called it the Wrestlepocalypse on YouTube when that hit. <laughs> so I uh, became friends with there. So thank you for turning me into a cartoon and giving me endless things to use for all of my columns and <laughs> promotional material <laughs> ever since. Uh, and Plan, thank you for coming on. Uh, my pleasure. If I'm here for 14 million, uh, kill me. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be able to buy Plan's second book in short year in the, within the year. <laughs> Look out for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, also you can buy Doc's two books they're both out on Amazon and wherever you want as well <laughs> and thank you to uh, Rich for joining us as well yeah man I'm always glad to be here thank everybody for, for listening to not only our show but all the shows on the network and um, allowing us to bring our own flavor to uh, this thing and, and we've got a pretty unique voice in the wrestling community and um, I've you know, James mentioned it, you know, uh, you know, taking these arrows from folks, never scared, um, and, and keep coming with them. So, you know, it's on, always. <laughs> and finally, 
Thank you, James, for <laughs> coming on to this special. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I think it's funny that, that Rich, you know, talked in all the code and the euphemism about, like, the different flavor and uniqueness. It really just means blackness, but whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I appreciate <laughs> So, but yeah, I appreciate uh, you know being here and um, and having the opportunity to be on the sh- on the show and do it week to week and you know really you know no one's ever said anything to us about how we run the show and uh, I, I, I greatly appreciate that and um, you know I don't want to say what, what Plan said about if you get to fourteen million then, then you know whatever else but like you know hopefully <laughs> it continues on into the future and you know we can we can all get some joy out of this and you know because. We're all here because we all, you know, have an attachment to this this fake this fake sport, and we we hope for the best for all of it, and, and if everybody is involved. So, um, you know, honestly, I just hope for the best for for the industry because, like, I love watching this this medium of entertainment, and like, just because it's like you know it's really in a weird spot um, at the top of it uh, doesn't mean that like there isn't greatness going on all around the world at any given night. And I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Mava Mado and Right Side of the Pond every single week. No, to... no, no. <laughs> <laughs> to Mava Mado on the Right Side of the Pond sometimes. <laughs> Whatever they want to do. Uh, shout out to uh, Miss Fan and Shane Mystic for All About Elite and obviously for the amazing WCW Legacy Series, which is on the archives now. If you want to check that out, like, arguably the best thing that's been put out on this station it's such such high quality uh, also to uh jan man and jeff who would on ring of uh, kingdom of honor company say <laughs> the zan man <laughs> the zan <laughs> if james wasn't kidding <laughs> the zan man <laughs> james told us he laughed every time he heard his name <laughs> like he wasn't kidding <laughs> he does <laughs> Uh, and also for me uh, to burn for to uh, saying yes when I suggested getting into a bit more serious about this wrestling thing and doing a podcast and whatever. Like yeah, we did months of eighteen listeners and one time we broke one hundred and we went mental. <laughs> that was <laughs> it was a bit of a uh, bit of a hit jumping to LP radio. It was like oh crap, <laughs> this is a whole different ball game. But uh, for me as well, thank you to Steve for giving me the call. Uh, or whatever the equivalent is on the internet <laughs> about my potentially joining LP radio. Uh, obviously, this is in between between not knowing how to call people outside of the internet and writing things on the wrong computer instead of a piece of paper. I don't think you've ever seen more millennial than you have in the last ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in 1992. I count. I think. <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> uh, and with that, I want to again say thank you to all of the listeners, everyone who tuned in live because. Must be a bit more mental to tune in live, especially if in England. There's football on now. Why are you tuning in live? <laughs> but thank you so much. Uh, all of us will be back next week, apart from Chad, who's back tomorrow with his uh, episode with uh, Sam. Uh, do you, do you have anything you want to well, uh, plug all of that shit? <laughs> Chad, do you want to plug all of your stuff? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, tomorrow, um, and for those of you who are abroad, the show will be available at uh, uh, right when you start your day pretty much and by the time those in north america want to listen to it it will have already been up and ready to go but we're going to be talking about some sports related themes that we're going to draw into wwe storylines in hopes of giving you something to think about besides the wwe wild card rule so (laughs) check that out tomorrow 
I successfully said wildcard bitches every single time I mentioned it on my own show. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm making the reference every single time because it's so stupid. <laughs> all right. Uh, plan, do you want to plug all of your stuff? Uh, you can catch me on Sports Entertainment is Dead on Wednesday and probably on the right side of the pond on next Friday. And, of course, what you really want to do tomorrow when it comes to LLP is check out the Sunday column, which will be up at some stage when I can be asked to write the thing. <laughs> oh, and also also buy my book, 101 WWE Matches to See Before You Die, which you can buy on Amazon. Uh, uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Top review. Uh, Lassa, do you want to plug your <laughs> Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at richlatter 32 I actually just started up a new music channel. You can type in Rich Ladder Music on YouTube. Um, pretty much trying to put up a video every day, literally until something happens. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and check out One Nation Radio, of course, here on Lords of Pain Radio, as well as the Social Suplex Podcast Network, uh, where we pretty much hit more around-the-world topics of wrestling. And then if you want to hear how, you know, Raw and SmackDown go from your boys Tuesday nights, Wednesday mornings, you know where it's at. <laughs> and James. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at JamesBoyd87. Um, like Rich said, also, again, we're going to plug it back-to-back, One Nation Radio here on LOP and also on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. I also have a show that I put out um, that reviews NXT from that week and also uh, five years ago that week as well. I'm called NXT Then Now Forever. I always have a co-host unless – um, all of my friends just completely just want to bail on me, and then I have to do a solo one. I've only had one of those, and hopefully that's the only one I ever have to do. But, yeah, that's that's all I got. <laughs> and you can follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicat. Uh, the two we missed, you can follow Plan at LOP, Plan and Docker, the Doc okay. LOP as well. <laughs> uh, poor they're always They're poor shillers. <sighs> they remember the books. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. I didn't even we plug my book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you heard it first. Doc's got a book as well. <laughs> Two books. He's even plugged either of them. Two of them. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, you follow me. I am on Twitter. I try to be up for some of the shows. A lot of the shows. I'm going to be up for Best of the Super Juniors because it's at a normal time for me. Like I think it's like nine in the morning, so actually reasonable. So I'll be up with the best of Super Juniors, hopefully writing columns on that, because I don't want to write columns about WWE at the moment. <laughs> I'll, just leave, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> Why not? Wildcard, bitches. <laughs> Wildcard, bitches. <laughs> if I'm writing a column, well, I'm including <laughs> i tell you what you need to do, because you need to write about uh, what you want to write about. So write about best of Super Juniors, but just put like a wild card paragraph about WWE smack bang in the middle of it. <laughs> with like wild card pictures, like along exactly, <laughs> precisely, yeah. <laughs> Charlie Day either side, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, did you cut the brakes? Wild card pictures, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but yes, I write columns every single week. Uh, I'm currently in a imp new Japan adventure kind of mood. That's what I was just saying. <laughs> so they'll be posted hopefully every Monday or Tuesday. Luckily. It's uh, Tim Rose on Tuesdays, and he doesn't post that often, so I count that as a day I can easily post on. <laughs> no intrusion. It works quite well that way. And with that, that's the end of the show. Oh, shit, I've not plugged Lord's Pain Radio. <laughs> Probably <plugged> that. <laughs> uh, I looked at my notes, and I was like, I've got, that's the one thing on my notes. <laughs> Lord's Pain Radio. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Lord's Pain Radio has shows every single day, starting with, I'm going to plug them all, 
uh, Mondays is Kingdom of Honor with Jam and his friend Jeff talking about Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Tuesdays is the Global Revolution and live after SmackDown and Raw is One Nation Radio with Rich Latter and James Boyd talking about WWE. Wednesdays is Planned Sports Entertainment is Dead, aka Planned Seed All Up In You. Thursdays, no. <laughs> yes, I took it that way every show. <laughs> <Yes>. Nobody wants that. <laughs> Uh, next Thursday it is next Thursday. No, Thursdays it's me at the moment with Burn, but I will be going solo again after May uh, with uh, Perfect Ten Wrestling talking about that week's news and morphing it away from WWE. <laughs> so just wrestling news. So that is every single Thursday. Fridays is Mav sometimes planned, sometimes Mazza on the right side of the pond. <laughs> every Friday. Uh, Saturday, all about All Elite with the men who brought you the WCW Legacy Series is Miss Van and Shane Mystic. They also do their MLW Legacy Series within that show as well. And Sundays, it's the Doc's Age, which has returned, where the Doc's talking about whatever makes him happy. Oh, <laughs> did it, everyone. Hold on, mate. Hey, chat, want to switch? <laughs> uh. <laughs> that was a no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and with that, well, I give a th- final thank you to everybody, and bid you adieu. Adieu. Yeah. Thank you.